interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Humans, assemble! Welcome to Not A Robot's MCU Movie Review Show. Today we are talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. My name is Kirk, and I obey the ancient laws of my people and punish those who do not. I will not forgive your people for taking the life of my father and his father and his father before him. A thousand years of war between us will not be forgotten. And I'm joined by a lovely and esteemed panel of judges. Today we have Caitlin. I'll get that eye. And Rob. Not 100% an asshole. And Kevin. Who? (laughs) We are here to watch, rank, critique, trash talk, and otherwise geek out over every movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you like our show, you can find us on Twitter at NARTV and Movies. And you can find me on Twitter at Kirk Hopko. Caitlin's there at MXThunderFunk. Rob is at Rob underscore 2814. And Kevin's at The Lazy Stoic. We answer all show mail sent to NotARobotTVandMovies at gmail.com. And before we get going, I just want to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners too. Like, download, and share our episodes and we can get more listeners and keep bringing you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the amazing Not A Robot podcast shows at NotARobotPodcast.com. We recorded our news segment separately today, so check that out if you're interested in hearing us talk about the Disney Plus Day and everything that came with that. So we're just going to jump right into guardians of the galaxy i think unless there's any objections guys we're all standing now we're all standing <laughs> in circle. I mean, so many great lines was that the ronin ronin uh, that was the ronin speech, speech yeah. yes <laughs> the ronin i'm a psychopath with a unlimited power <laughs> speech we'll never rule xandar I can... no i will cure it gross I gotta work on my psychopath speech. <laughs> like if ever I get handed ultimate power. Um, but yeah, let's dive into Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I full transparency to our audience out there. We had some technical difficulties and have to re-record some of our thoughts here today. Uh, so this is our second stab at Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but. We're happy to bring it to you. Yeah, we watched it again. I did. It, and you're welcome. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was the one I, uh, that caused the, uh, the screw up. And uh, it's a delightful movie. So <laughs> I think we all had fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. Um, I think I'm just going to start off with like general thoughts that Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie that I'm that I enjoy going back to. Every time I go back to it, every time I watch it, it's, it's a good time. It's a good movie. And I am still so surprised that it's a good movie. <laughs> uh, it set low expectations because the general audience, would it, there's no rec- name recognition to these heroes. No. Prior None to whatsoever. the movie. None um, whatsoever. There's no name recognition to the heroes, but the cast, all the main characters, were, were already like well-known I'm in niche ways, mind you, but they had all made a name for themselves, right? This was right around the time Zoe Saldana was coming off of being in just about everything. Um, She had had some rom-coms. She was um, either about to or just on Star Trek. Um, She did a biopic that was kind of controversial. 
uh, Avatar. She. This was after Avatar. Yep, yeah, she was leading that. Um, She's been so, in so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she and she. So she was a big name by the time this came out. Um, Chris Pratt, we all know, was doing really well on Parks and Rec, um, to the point where they had to drop a line into Parks and Rec explaining how he had gotten into shape for this movie. Just stop drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's there's an episode of Parks and Rec. They go to England, and he, he turns to Adam Scott, and he goes, "Yeah, I just stopped drinking beer. <laughs> really? That's all you did? How much beer were you drinking?" <laughs> and he goes, "I don't know a lot." <laughs> so, <laughs> and then they go meet like a count or a prince or something who is played by uh, Peter Serafinowicz one of the <laughs> Novacor in this movie right. um, mm-hmm. Drax is Dave Batista, who is well known maybe not for his acting skills at this point but his fighting skills um, when this movie came out Rocket Raccoon was voiced by Bradley Cooper who's kind of a huge movie star I didn't expect him to be voicing a raccoon <laughs> Even Groot, and then voice Groot, by... Vin Diesel, this, super this nerd Vin Diesel. This is how you himself. use Vin. This is how you use Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see his stupid face. I don't need to see him defying <laughs> the laws of physics, jumping from a train to a jet airplane, going Mach three. Uh, it's <laughs> in a movie I mean, that's supposed to be about cars. Um, <laughs> it's about family, and so is this one. Yeah. <laughs> this is <clears throat> the Iron Giant nailed it, and so did uh, this movie. This is how you use Vin Diesel. He's just a he's just a disembodied Iron. voice. <laughs> <clears throat> and what um, a better way to use his patented mumble growl than to have a voice a tree? As a tree, yeah. a tree whose awesome. larynx is shaped in a way that can only s- make the sounds "I am Groot" in that order. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And also to, after this movie, force him to play a child. <laughs> like, they tricked him. Like, he was, you're going to be this massive hulking tree. Cool. And then, okay, now you're a infant uh, <laughs> in this movie. Would you not and trick like, Vin Diesel if you had the chance? Yeah, this whole this whole series is trying to force Vin Diesel to grow up emotionally <laughs> by revisiting his childhood as a baby tree. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and yeah, did we mention John C. Riley? Nope, and he's amazing oh, in this. Yeah. Dewey Cox. Even Glenn Close <laughs> is in this movie. Glenn guys. Close is in this Glenn movie. Close yeah. is in the MCU. Yeah. And Lee Pace is up in here. Not Lee as Pace. prolific as Glenn Close. Probably shouldn't have followed her up with him. Yeah. But Lee Pace is. <laughs> is it also Josh Brolin doing the voice I of Thanos? Think it, in is this Josh one? it is. We yeah. see Thanos in this one in his big this chair. This is the first time the big purple grimace speaks, and it's wow. in a regular movie. Oh no, you're right. Okay. Yeah. And kind of like like in your rereading of the script uh, there in the beginning, he gets like talking down to, <laughs> like he's the big bad of the, all the MCU, and in this movie he gets. <laughs> Uh, he gets Ronan uh, talking down to him shit talking him (laughs) and then he puts Ronan back in his place (laughs) just what is it he calls him boy he's just like excuse me (laughs) watch who you're stepping to the things you care about are stupid Uh, 
on giant wall FaceTime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this movie's fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's, um, and it's got a lot of sort of differing vibes that uh, I want to say, like when it came out, it was we had just had the the Star Trek rebirth. But Star Wars hadn't come back yet. And this took a place... It's not exactly a Star Wars-y film, I don't think. But it's no. it sat in a sci-fi place that I felt we hadn't got a movie to sit in in a long time. Like, there was a void in this type of a sci-fi film that it happily filled. Space pirates. Like, I mean. little weird, little funny. Yeah, little, I... A little bit of a... Oh, like Flash Gordon-y kind of just like I don't know space pirates. It's that used to be a that used to be a genre of comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like how the whole thing was really just like a series of heists and chase scenes, bookended by emotional moments. And this it really was, yeah. Also, yeah. creativity. Like, there are creative things going on. Like, it's not just... <laughs> it's not just they're in space prison. They're, like, in, like, a gritty... They're in Oz for a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> but it's still funny. But it looks grimy, and everything looks real. And also, like, the, the set dress, nothing looks like... Uh, other Marvel films, like, you can see that it looks like they're on a green screen. Or other other very cgi heavy movies this movie never feels like it's on a green screen everything feels tangible when you're watching it i mean how many other sets mm-hmm. can you go to and then have a black light and it looks like a jackson pollock painting <laughs> it just went deep. Oh. <laughs> oh so gross so gross <laughs> which again and also just raises my question how does a a space raccoon know who jackson pollock is <laughs> how did quill <laughs> yeah <laughs> he yeah. left earth when he was like what seven eight Six? seven what year was it because i don't 80s. think his age is eight? relevant so i knew who jackson pollock was at a very young age because he was referenced in a movie i watched called all i want for christmas with thora birch oh i love that movie <laughs> also a mouse goes <laughs> missing at one point it's a yes. great movie. Check it out. But <laughs> Leslie Nielsen plays Santa Claus. They talk about Jackson Pollock in that movie, like kind of a lot for a family-friendly Christmas movie. The teen love interest of the older brother talks about being a fan. So, I feel like for whatever reason, Jackson Pollock was like the go-to modern artist to reference throughout 19- a lot of the the nineties. 1988 is when Quill left Earth. Okay, so it might be a little early. So he's only seen one season of MTV's The Real World. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, he hasn't seen any. (laughs) Sorry, I just looked that up. Fact checked myself. I was trying to think of something that was was in 1988. I don't know. Um, 
But, yeah, no. I think this movie... Yeah, the heists from the shenanigans on Xandar uh, right into in the, the prison into... Do they go to nowhere after the prison? Yeah. Um, it, like, it's there's a, great, a lot. It's a great building of the team uh, film, which is a, a genre. Because this is the first not origin story for Marvel. It's the first, not the first mm-hmm. team-up movie. Technically, Avengers is the first team-up movie. But this is the first one where you're in, getting introduced to the characters in the same movie that they're teaming up which is and this one does it perfectly and i think other marvel team-up movies don't do it as well as this one yeah i think that we get we get the backstory we get the origin stories really um of pretty much the team in a way that doesn't feel like we're getting a lot of exposition that's not like bogging us down with a you know a hero's quest or anything um and I think that's partly because they don't really consider themselves heroes, right? Even by the end of the movie, he goes, "All right, what are we going to do next? Some good, some bad, a little of both." <laughs> they're all they're all out for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and then all their interests start aligning slowly. <laughs> well, and that's, um, I do love because that's an, an a recurring theme in Guardians of the Galaxy, just kind of for a long time, was they're just trying to survive. But they seem to always be the first to volunteer when things are absolutely outrageous. Because what did the galaxy ever do for me? Well, I'm one of the idiots that live in it. Like, <laughs> they, they can't walk away from big evil. But they also aren't good guys. <laughs> like, they're like, nothing threatening you right now? Cool, I would like to rob you. But end of the world? Fine, fine. Let's, let's help them out. <laughs> Um. yeah and I feel like this movie it's one of the things because like a lot of people talk about this movie and it's soundtrack which is great and the vibe oh, yeah. like it's a mm-hmm. kooky fun movie the whole way through uh, which I feel dances around the fact that it, the movie juxtaposes itself and we've referenced him a few times now against Ronan's insane ideology um, yeah as like one of the more like hardcore serious bordering on hate crime and oh, horrific amounts it, of racism past bordering. I, I think, it's, gen- it's I, think genocide, I think genocide steps over the line particularly when you're just destroying an entire planet <laughs> fair sorry when i said bordering on hate crime i was trying to uh figure out whether or not he hates zandarians as a racial thing or as like a some like some other type of it doesn't really explain it just says we've been at war and i don't want to stop being at war so i'm going to kill all of you yeah i think so he's I don't fanatical know. enough that it no longer matters um right yeah yeah and, i think that's and, pretty much like any general in a war never wants the war to end <laughs> like until they win until they've completely conquered their their enemy and and like i don't know his ship the dark aster is so it's literally like Mm -hmm. it almost looks like gives me vibes of like the the xenomorph ship from alien like everything's black and horrible in there and everything out in the universe is just like 
brightly colored. There's puddles of yellow goo and weird brightly colored spaceships and even the prison is nice and wonderful by comparison to Ronin's just like military (laughs) like (laughs) mean (laughs) negative emotion boat. I don't know that I'd say nice. I'd say well lit. (laughs) Like it's so sharply contrasted against everything else. Actually something that gets me about Ronin Something that gets me about Ronan early on is after he gives that speech and he does smash that dude's head in with the big hammer, um, is there's, we see like an Icor running through the floor, through grooves in the floor. I assume that that's that guy's blood. Um, yeah. And it's dark and either Xandarian blood is darker mm-hmm. than human blood or it's just not well lit. So it looks darker to us. Um But it's running through all of these like ridges in the ground, right? He's got like this symbol etched into the floor almost like that was a ritual killing but then it doesn't go anywhere because nebula shows up and she's like what's up thanos wants to talk to you and he goes okay and leaves (laughs) (laughs) but every time i see that scene i i always get reminded of the first blade movie where there was almost exactly the same idea and it actually was a ritual killing and then vampires burst out of the blood and i always expect vampires to show up on the dark aster but they never do they don't i I do have a question. So, okay, Ronan is Cree. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I might have asked this question, but I've erased it from my mind. His henchmen, some of his army is not Cree. They are um, yes and no. Well, they are. Hmm, it's hmm. like a Cree like Xandarians do not all look the same. Yeah, but some of them. Some Cree look... are blue. Yeah. And some are not. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. some are Jude Law, that's some right. are Korath, some are Jimon uh, Hansu, some are yeah, uh, Jimon Hansu. Hansu? So they are both um, Cree, but they're all Cree. Like, but the henchmen are like these, like kind of ridiculous looking. Yeah, like. some of them are not Cree, and I think that the idea is that Ronin has formed this cult of fanatics around himself. That the Cree government was happy to use um, when it suited their purposes, either in this war in the Xandarians or as we'll see later on mm-hmm. um, against the Skrull. Um, and I say later on, I mean in Captain Marvel, because Ronan is uh, mentioned in that. Um, but once the war is over, the peace treaty is over, they're like, eh, I don't know about that guy. Um <laughs> And so he's, he does still have these follow God, I wish this wasn't sounding. This is it's too real. We have to move on. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, so he's I, a Cree fanatic that believes in Cree supremacy, but also he has formed a coalition of different <laughs> races. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hypocrite. Yeah, continue. <laughs> I'm also not 100% clear on. If if I don't think it's a coalition necessarily, they might yeah. all be loners from Thanos. That's true too. Like, like yeah, that's that's what I'm getting. They look like sh- some of them look like Shatari, but like with worse outfits. Like because you don't really see Shatari's faces in some of those movies, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably just an easy way of doing makeup on set, like not having to do everybody in blue face paint. Just put them in these helmets. Elaborate helmets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and they still, like, we had a movie all about the Kree military, and they didn't explain why sometimes some of them are blue. 
I mean, some Zandarians are pink. That's true. They I just thought, are. I, I thought the Cree also had a sub-race of uh, pink people. They might, now that I'm thinking about it. There's <laughs> a lot of different Cree. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I love the pacing of this movie. I love the way it structures itself. It, um, it flows really nicely. As, uh, and I think this is also the first movie where they take the time to show off and actually explain Infinity Stones yes. like in a real way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so there's even a nice little sci-fi exposition dump in the middle of this film they, d- they do it so nicely in this film and then in the next one it has to get spelled out to us six different times slowly yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great pace, like I said, like uh, building the team and having the team together by like minute 30 and then mm-hmm. knowing each one of their quirks. You don't necessarily need to know all their backstory, but you know, like this one's kind of sassy. This one's kind of <laughs> goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, this one's very serious. This, one, yeah. this one's Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that brings us to another cast member. I don't think we mentioned Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! Right. Yeah. Yeah. And doing doing Everyone's a doing a character like oh, yeah. really, really? Uh, digging in. Um, uh, I don't know much. I've run into the collector a few times in comics. Um, he's basically just a guy who collects things. But like, you genuinely feel like this guy loves all of his artifacts. Like he mm-hmm. gets really. <laughs> and also, is a creepy excited. scumbag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I've got, got some vibes. No on question him. on on how creepy and scumbaggy he is. Um, so um, I feel like we're moving into characters, and before we sure. do that, there is a kind of a narrative moment that I want to comment oh. on. Okay, and that's that both of Peter's parents get brought up. At both towards the beginning of the movie and then again at the end. Um, we start with his mother, I don't remember her name, um, dying, right? And say asking him to take her hand and he doesn't because he's scared and he's sad and his, his mom is dying. Um, and then, you know, he sees her again once he's got the stone and his everything's going whoosh. Um mm-hmm. But early in the movie, not at the very beginning, but but fairly early, one of the Ravagers is yelling at Yondu, you're too soft on that kid. You've always been too soft on him. We should have delivered him like he asked. He was cargo. Um, And then again, one of the last scenes in the movie, Yondu's on the ship and he's saying to to Sean Gunn, (laughs) (laughs) whose character's name I can never remember, he's like, yeah, it's a good thing we didn't leave him with his dad. That guy was an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there's there's a little bit of touching on that there that like to hint at what comes in guardians of the galaxy 2 uh but what is more interesting at the time and this is just more like a funny anecdote was um so in the comics guardian or ego is not related to star lord Mm-hmm. 
his dad is from an alien planet called Spartax. They are sure. warrior aliens. Oh, I see what they did. So there. the internet was all a <laughs> was all a buzz when they talked about his dad. Um, at the time when this movie came out, everyone was like, "Oh my god, Spartax! Oh, they're gonna tie in this thing and this thing and this thing." And that didn't happen. I, yeah, I I appreciate the change because I think it would have been a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It's a little, Jason the Spartax is not a great storyline from what I've read. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's kind of just like another Ronin, actually, um, when I think about it. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying, he's just like another Ronin. He's just like a fanatical military leader. Um, I mean, when, when I first read <coughs> about Jason, I honestly just got the the vibe of him as... Uh, can't remember the guy's first name. Uh, Summers of the the Star Jammer. Oh yeah, that's how I was when I asked like how I wasn't sure who the Guardians of the Galaxy were, and a friend of mine uh, who knows I'm into X Men comics said, "Oh, <laughs> they're like the Star Jammers, which is um, Scott Summers' father um, and a team of space pirates running around the galaxy." Hmm. Uh, it's very much the same comic (laughs) as the original guardians um, of the galaxy. Uh, It's just silly. (laughs) I want to pause for a minute. um, Did we lose Kirk? So I don't know, but it does say my, your video was turned off by Kirk. Yes. I think he's lost Kirk. Massive connection. Please jump in. Okay. Okay. Okay, Go ahead, Caitlin. (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> you're Let's, you're in charge now. Oh oh no! I'm not ready for this kind of responsibility. Let's talk about the characters. There are so many, and they are all so very cool. <laughs> very very wild characters. Uh, let me talk about Groot right away because I I love Groot. Yes, really the heart and soul of this movie, and just so much fun. Even in the background when they're at the prison, and he's just stealing the battery and it. For some reason, even that's adorable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like his movie. Like he's he dies in this movie and is resurrected. But um, in another jump from the comics, he is not the same Groot. He does not retain memories. So yeah. he is more like a child at the end of this, just yeah. his own thing. And he's all he's going to know is this. There's something really poetic to the fact that like what Groot has to do, he's sacrificing himself and he knows that like this group is a good group to raise his offspring, which is really touching. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's there's Chris Evans on a motorcycle yeah, going so around Caitlin's house. I'm sorry. <laughs> Always when I'm right about to say something, like I've, I've started, I'm two words into a sentence. It's going to zoom by. But I think, yeah, it's Groot sacrifices himself for this group of people, like one of whom he's been traveling with for a while and the rest of whom he doesn't really know. And I think that, you know, if Groot doesn't, save everybody else right falling out of the sky in that moment are they all prepared to help peter with the with the stone in the way that they do 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does Rocket care enough to put himself on the line if Groot hadn't just died saving them all? I mean, if, if Groot hadn't just died saving them all, I think they'd all be dead. I, there is that. Yeah. That is a that's a big part of it. You're right. They would they would be too dead to do anything. <laughs> but but you do make a good point. <laughs> like that that sacrifice really drives home a, an emotional connection for a lot of them that was slowly being built throughout the movie, and then that sacrifice. We are Groot. Just okay. Now we're we're family now. Yeah, and we're gonna do that. What made we can me to cry a little other. bit. Oh yeah, that I gets cried me. three that different times time. in this stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great theater experience too. Yeah. This is one of the great Marvel theater experiences I have had. Where because again, low expectations, and this is I we, I talk sometimes about the floor and the ceiling of a of um, a level of quality of Marvel films. And there's a very high floor to a Marvel film where you go in, you know it's going to be at least this good. It's at least going to be an Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then sometimes it's... <laughs> and then every now and then... Every now and then it's it's a Guardians of the Galaxy where you're, where you're, where you're laughing and crying in the theater. <laughs> sometimes at the same time. I just I've never heard anything described as it's at least gonna be an Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> oh I can't wait till we review that movie now. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, talking about Groot, it's uh it's funny because I called him Chewbacca earlier. Um because this movie really does do some of the, the Chewbacca esque things where you know, you have this character who doesn't speak galactic common or whatever everyone else speaks. Uh, and he'll just interject and everyone will look at him. And outside of the scene where they don't really understand that he's speaking a language, you do get those Han Solo chewy moments where he'll say, I am Groot. And someone will be like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> like um, that he is fully participating, just not in English or a language that any audience member can understand. But what I think separates him from Chewbacca that I really loved in this movie is that he's an instigator where Chewie in the original Star Wars trilogy really is just like a a tag along and yeah. occasionally gives Han a chance to say something funny. Mm-hmm. But in this, he, he, he straight up like, you know, uh, what is it in the prison? He reaches up and yanks the thing out <laughs> yeah. while they're formulating a plan. Um <laughs> You know, he he takes charge of his own of his own life. Like it really is Groot doing his own thing, and we see that he is like his own. Uh, he has his own goals, wants, and desires, and he's fearless yeah. <laughs> at all times. He'll, he'll just straight up drink that fountain water with no regard <laughs> for what's in it. Right, and everyone knows Zendarian birds are filthy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember seeing a single bird on that planet. I will take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing Ronan took out. <laughs> oh, That's okay. actually why Ronan hates the planet. It's because of the birds. They're a threat to the galactic <laughs> ecosystem. That, that does seem like a real dark aster way too many times, and that trip is huge. <laughs> that does seem like a nice place to live. I mean, Glenn Xandar? Close is your president. Um, it's uh, nice and clean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just stopped being at war, like, a week ago. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Although, no, considering that's what their metro areas look like at the end of war, 
That's pretty impressive. Uh, turns out that's just like a small, like Hawaiian island sized colony. <laughs> the rest of the planet is a war torn hellscape. It's <laughs> awful. And we don't they just know. live in peace. We never see Xandar again. No. Right? So is this setting up Nova in some way, do you think? Because that's my I only so. reference God, to Xandar. And in the comics, Xandar is destroyed before I even started reading. And Nova is the last surviving son of Xandar. In the and they named him after the police force? Um, well, well, he um, they download essentially the Nova Guardians, all of their resources, all of their knowledge, all of their everything into one Nova helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when he puts it on, he can access essentially the entire legacy of his people. And it has like this, it gives him a suit with powers. Okay. But is Nova like his hero name or his regular yes. name? Yes. So Glenn Close is Nova Prime. Right. Indicating that she's the military commander in chief. Right. But I assume when she goes home, her name is like Linda. It's hmm. not her. No, Nova is his superhero name. There okay. are two Nova superheroes. Their uh, their names are Dick Ryder and Sam. <laughs> you said that was so. Much I tried to get through it. Oh god, I've never made that connection. Holy shit! <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if that's real or not. I can't. Okay, most fans would refer to him as Richard Ryder. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's his name, actually. I don't know why you went with that. Uh, it's just, Do you know I, him when personally? I was like a teenager, when I, when I was a teenager, I put together that like Dick was short for Richard, and I couldn't get over the fact that his name was Dick Ryder. Yeah, his, like I'm looking at like Marvel Database. His name is Richard. Which... Dick is short for Richard. I know. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but uh, yeah, so Nova's not his like birth certificate name. Okay, mm-hmm. I because that struck me as weird. That would be like if if this were you know a Children of Men situation, and we thought that the species was going to be survived by one kid, and then we named that kid Army. <laughs> That's a strange choice. <laughs> I mean, Army Hammer has entered the chat. But <laughs> that dude's a cannibal. Like, this didn't go well. <laughs> That's something Is he a, a cannibal? Do. Did that happen? What? <laughs> Is Army Hammer a cannibal? It's possible. I don't... <laughs> oh, man. I got so many tabs opened up right now. It Listen, I don't have Army the kind of money to, to back that up if Army Hammer's lawyers come calling. Oh, so... Man. Oh, that it pre-filled in the Google search. Oh, <laughs> is oh, Army no. Hammer a cannibal? See, Rolling Stone, <laughs> Rolling Stone article from January sixteenth, two thousand twenty-one, titled "We're All Missing the Point of the Army Hammer Cannibalism <laughs> Scandal." There's a there's a point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this article is implying that it's a, a story I should already know about, and I'm. <laughs> this article is going to clear up a misconception I have about it. <laughs> it the title suggests that we know he's a cannibal, and yet that's the least important thing, and we should be focused on something else. 
Did he just okay, eat long pig once? Like, okay. I, yeah. He's not in this movie. We have to talk about the people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to uh, let's move on to Rocket since we just talked about. <laughs> okay, um, I got it. Rocket is a fun character in this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, is, yeah. and I, the the thing I appreciate is um, in the voice acting. We talked about Vin Diesel, but in the voice acting of bradley cooper is the fact that it doesn't sound like bradley cooper is just being paid to voice a raccoon it he's doing a character that does not sound like himself it does not sound like any of the things he's ever done on screen he's doing actual voice work and that's usually my critique when i see an animated movie and every character sounds like zeth rogan um in it um and it just sounds like the actor instead of doing a character and this is a full-on character that he does. It's very nicely done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like there's such a trend in animated movies lately to just be like, you know, and like Rihanna and fucking <laughs> mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake just talking into the mic for this character. I mean, like, Chris Pratt is about to be Garfield, and the world is not happy about it. And Mario. Mario He's about to be Mario. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing like a Smash Brothers <laughs> <laughs> extended universe i think we're gonna get a gonna we're gonna be, get a legends of zelda and uh <laughs> chris pratt will be mario he'll be sonic he'll be pikachu he'll be donkey kong oh no that's already seth rogan isn't it he'll he'll be <laughs> seth rogan is Kirby. donkey kong is seth rogan donkey kong i can't remember seth rogan's oh, one of the so characters. many tabs <laughs> <laughs> i know he's in the mario bros movie i don't remember i'm pretty sure he's donkey kong Alright, this this is undoubtedly going to come up on one of the many other podcasts on the network. Oh, Bradley Cooper's doing a great job as Rocket. I also th- I think it's funny that he doesn't know what a raccoon is. Um, and when Quill first brings that up, he's like, it's what you are. It seems like he knows what a raccoon is because he is Terran. Another note, I love when movies say Terran instead of Earthling. Earthling is a stupid <laughs> word, say Terran. Um, but then later the Zendarian, um, the Nova Corpsman played by Peter Seifrinowitz calls him a hamster. And is that, do they have hamsters on Xandar and not raccoons? They do, but they look like raccoons. (laughs) They have raccoons, but they're called hamsters. (laughs) That's the, the fun thing this movie does because the dialogue moves so quickly um, is that they have to? They don't have time for language barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they kind of make fun of Drax for his, and we'll get to Drax. And I'll, I'll end by going back to Drax. But like, um, it, the aliens just speak English, and that allows you to have fun with the dialogue, have fun with make jokes, like calling somebody a hamster, having the audience get it, without having, you know. I don't know if those jokes have the same impact if you would say, oh, you look like a squiggly. And you have to assume a squiggly is kind of like a furry animal that they have on whatever planet that guy's from or something. Mm -hmm. So it's by doing that, and they kind of logic it by saying they all have universal translators on. So they're all speaking to each other in some sort of common language, and it's just being presented to us as English, which is, I think, really cool going forward into marvel universe because it just allows for this snappy fun dialogue where the audience instantly gets it Uh, but then also allows you to have characters like Groot who have different barriers to language and Drax who just doesn't get the concept of um, 
figurative speech. Mm-hmm. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't understand metaphors or... Uh, he's very literal. <laughs> right down to murdering someone uh, with his bare hands and then saying, that's dragging my finger across your throat. <laughs> because... Yeah, he, he has a real, um, uh, a, a real arc there where he figures out what a metaphor is, but uses it poorly. <laughs> Um, it's also interesting that you mentioned, cause like the, the language barrier, right? <clears throat> you mentioned that, you know, he says hamster instead of saying like a squiggly, but they actually do both versions of that joke in this movie. Um, where, you know, he says something that it's like, wait, they have hamsters on Xandar. Uh, but then at a different point in the movie, they talk about how Quill has been on a date with an Ascavarian. Oh, yeah. And we as an audience are just left to wonder what the hell that is. So they do the, like, wait a minute, they used a human word for something on Xandar, and they use this other weird squiggly word for something else. Like, they do it in both ways that sometimes they take us along for the ride, and sometimes they leave us guessing. Yeah. That's true. You um, man who has laid with an Ascavarian. um and yeah drax is such a cool character in this movie uh which is weird because like uh and i'm not going to belabor this but he is so unlike his comic self uh but he's still a really compelling character yeah and i wonder if that's a little bit of josh whedon's like no this isn't josh whedon's who is this James Gunn. Oh, James, James Gunn. Gunn. Sorry, the James Gunn kind of this of like making things a little bit too fun instead of too serious. Um, but then again, Gamora is still a very serious character. Yeah. I, I think was... they're all very serious characters in their own way, and that's something that Rocket addresses. Right? Drax mm-hmm. is talking, and he goes, "Oh, boohoo! My wife and daughter are dead. Get over it. We all have <laughs> dead people." And I think the idea is like. Yeah, things can be fun. Things don't have to be serious all the time. Life is hard, and we're all fucking miserable. So <laughs> might as well, you know, might as well yep. have a laugh while we can. That's true. There is there is some real darkness on top of uh, all the sweetness that's in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and if they were going to include <clears throat> Drax's comic book accurate backstory, it, it would take half the movie probably. There's a oh, lot. Oh, absolutely. And he's he's technically a legacy character too, because there his his code name the Destroyer was used by somebody on Earth well before he was. And that's that's just a whole like they don't have to include that, but that's a whole can of worms they have to address. So to 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 boil it down to what they have, I think is is fitting for the character and fitting for the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I only bring it up because like it's a bit of a small shame only in the context of uh well like if you hear batista talk about it he he is voiced that he's a little bit bummed like he likes that what he's done with the movies but he's a little bummed that he never got to bring drax on screen in the way that drax was in like the stuff that he was shown and mm-hmm. like to play drax because Drax in the comics, he has a ton of superpowers. He's incredibly powerful because he was genetically engineered to fight Thanos and he can go toe to toe with him like pretty well. Like he's a super powerful character in the comics. And then in this one, 
he's kind of just a violent dude with a couple knives. I mean, he's very like, skilled in combat. Is he? How many people does he fight in this movie? We see him take aren't... down, like, a swarm of accusers. And didn't he do some, like, flippy shit, too? I was... he, yeah, he also, during the prison break, is fighting guards um, in pairs instead of one-on-one. Okay, so he's a, so he's a bit tough. <laughs> he, he seems he, to be he rips he the security be... drone in half with his bare hands like he, he does some stuff i think strategy is where he's lacking in skill yeah he's, <laughs> he's not a great tactician but he's exactly he's strong he's, he's a decent fighter and i think no i don't know what i think never mind i forgot what i was saying I... halfway through that <laughs> sentence <laughs> I guess my my thing with Drax is that they didn't ever really give us any way to touch stone how strong him or Gamora or any of these people who may or may not be stronger than your average human, a.k.a. Quill, are. Like, we don't see, like, a comparative feat. Like, we never see Quill struggle to lift something that Drax can easily lift or, like, not that it would have necessarily added to the movie, but we don't have a frame for, like, can Drax throw a car? Well, I think... Is it possible that part of that is because, with the exception of Quill, who we find out is half not Terran, um, but much more powerful, right? So that's one reason. He may also be, in certain situations at least, stronger than the average human. He is able to hold an Infinity Stone. Um, But this team is mostly genetically enhanced people. It's Rocket, who is the product of several experiments. It's Gamora, who had enhancements to make her a living weapon. It's, you know, Drax. Um, and then Groot is just, at, he's got his whole thing. So comparatively speaking, I think if we saw that, right, like Quill struggles to lift something and then Drax picks it up with ease, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to have the impression of, oh, Drax is really strong as much as it's going to point out, oh, Quill is pretty weak compared to everyone else on this ship. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, there's it's a running theme that like each one of these is characters except for quill is like the last of their kind well i guess including quill in a way too knowing what happens in the second movie but Mm -hmm. like well rocket's a one and only one and done creature Mm -hmm. groot's possibly the last of his kind because the uh the collector is very interested in him that he's never met a groot and if he's never met a groot that means they're very rare Mm -hmm. um um, the, the Drax is the survivor. Gamora is the survivor of her um, homeworld. So, yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. On Gamora's uh, police scan, it very specifically says she's the last of her kind. And I thought um, that was weird because I remember Thanos only killing half of her people. Yeah, well, and with Groot, he is the last of his people. Um, at least in the comics, they refer to him as the monarch of his people because de facto he's the only person who could let be left to rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole thing. I mean, you could um, argue that about any last survivor of a species. Yeah, like yeah, just like Nova. Ooh, I'd love to be the last of a species. That's kind of like an old fairy tale trope, too, isn't it? Like you're the last survivor of this monarch. And you need to come back and rule the kingdom. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> like a sword in the stone kind of situation. Also the Princess Diaries. 
Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a fantastic movie. (laughs) We'll be covering on a Patreon Plus special. (laughs) We'll cover the Princess Extended Universe. (laughs) Is that phase three or phase four? (laughs) The Genovia trilogy. It's it's the phase after The Princess Bride. I mean, it's got Julie Andrews. Chris Chris Pine is in the sequel. They're mm-hmm. great. They're great movies. <laughs> um. We're doing such a good job staying on topic this time, guys. <laughs> I'm so proud of us. All right. Well, then let's talk about Gamora since we we touched on uh, on her a little bit there. Her introduction in this movie is pretty great, honestly. Like they. They sell me on a lot of the different aspects of her relationship with Nebula and her relationship with Thanos really quickly in this movie. Yeah, we yeah. find out when when Quill does that she wants to betray Thanos and believe her, or at least I did right away. Like, I didn't spend the movie waiting for her to be just kidding the whole time and turn them over to Thanos. Although, why? Why did we believe her right away? Because she wasn't lying? I know, but I'm. <laughs> lots of people aren't lying in movies. That doesn't mean you believe them right away. <laughs> She's possibly. No, the I, only... I just didn't have a better reason. <laughs> <laughs> She's possibly the least selfish character. <laughs> Even yeah. though she grew yeah. up under this tyrant. She, She's just trying to protect uh, the universe. Mm hmm. Yeah. And everybody else is out for themselves <laughs> in different ways. I mean, I think Thanos, all like as far as like a parent goes, first off, I think he, in whatever sense of the word, I think he believes himself fair. Oh, um, yeah, he definitely and, does. And he talks later that he never taught her to lie. So I don't think that like he would have taught her the life of a dishonest scoundrel. He Because he's a militant militant psychopath but he's not a uh criminal in his own mind yeah Yeah, and she does talk about honor at a couple of different points he's he's almost raised her to be too good (laughs) 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 that he can't he can't convince her to be evil with him yeah so this is he he screwed himself yeah and just as opposed to the other daughter uh nebula which later on really becomes a character. Um, not only in these films, but in the crossovers too. More so than I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, well, and her being, I believe, and this is spoiler for much later, being one of the, I think the, her and Rocket are the only surviving members of the Guardians for a little while. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And she becomes integral to like a full-on Avengers movie at one point. Uh, it's very uh, very interesting uh, or it's interesting that both Gamora and Nebula are both t- t- totally down to destroy their father, but they just they just team up with different teams. It's cuz she full-on just devotes herself to Ronan and she's fine getting her hands dirty blowing up Xandar if it means taking down Thanos but Gamora's on the other side on the other team Um, so they both have the same goal they just wind up on opposite sides of the war 
And they wind up resenting each other, which I think is like, that's an unfortunately realistic angle or view on what can happen, I think, to two people who are both caught in the same abusive situation, right? Is that they're each making a plan to get out. They didn't come up with it together. They resent each other for abandoning, abandoning each other or for, you know, for not getting each other out sooner, for getting themselves out any way they can, you know. There was never any any I'll come back for you in Gamora's <laughs> escape plan. Yeah. I kind of assume they both thought the other was more loyal than they were. And that's like, they did say that at, at some point. I don't remember if it it was it couldn't have been in this movie. It might be in the next Guardians movie. But you know, Gamora is saying we could have been sisters all this time. And Nebula goes, How could I ever have trusted you? You were always his favorite. Like every time I didn't measure up to you, I got beat hard like you know, this, yeah, this terrible animosity between them that comes from the fact that they both have to cope with the abuse that they're enduring in different ways. Great movie. It's crazy that this movie is written so well. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, for, for something with like, where they visit the giant head of a celestial, <laughs> which is a mining colony. Uh, it, it's just so such crazy stuff. <laughs> Right? Absolutely. There's so much to this movie. And like Gamora, Gamora's relationship with Nebula and even like her weird budding emotions with Quill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just, I won't fall for your pelvic sorcery. (laughs) Gets me every time. Right? It does make me wonder. When she said pelvic sorcery, I did have to sit and wonder, like, what was sex ed like with Thanos as a dad? (laughs) (laughs) I actually think he'd be pretty progressive as far as uh, (laughs) that goes. (laughs) Well, daughter. (laughs) When the male of a species is in his prime. (laughs) oh my god Um, (laughs) which I guess can bring us to uh, Star-Lord sort of the in-universe reason for why this movie has a kick-ass soundtrack (laughs) such a great soundtrack Uh, it's still on my running playlist every now and then both volume 1 and volume 2 and you can kind of some, some, some of the music is better than others uh, when you listen to the full song, you're like, really, this is in there? It's kind of weird. <laughs> I, I love how they were able to include it into the story as well, with the actual soundtrack. I love when they can do that. They don't just have it playing during a scene. Like They have an in-universe reason for why it's playing. Yeah, it's like diegetic sometimes. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes he's listening to it along with us, and sometimes it just kind of pops in for a slow walk down the yeah. down the hallway of a ship. <laughs> <laughs> right and like um it's it's not until a later movie but when it shows it cuts to like the cockpit and they're all jamming out to his music mm-hmm. like and gomora's mouthing the words like i really really enjoy that vibe mm-hmm. you know that his weird earth music has rubbed off on the crew enough that they <laughs> yeah they're getting into it with him 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in this movie, it's it's funny. Like his, you know, not hundred percent a dick progress of like. <laughs> it's hard to figure out where he's at in his journey sometimes, because uh, we we talked about it before about not really knowing when he decides to do the mission to get away from the Ravagers, but Yondu isn't a Ravager anymore. Um, is he betraying the Ravagers? Is he breaking out on his own? Does he need his own crew? Like, We're not really given a lot of the explanation as to why Quill is stealing the orb on his own. Yeah, that's true. That's never explained. It seems like he is trying to be like his old man, his old man being Yondu. Um, like, hey, look, I can go do this on my own. I don't, he doesn't want to be in Yondu's shadow anymore, but he wants to be just like him. And that's why he's stealing stealing the orb to go uh, be his own kind of um, space pirate. Uh, I, 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 I heard Quill described, or the, the um, Star-Lord from the movie described uh, this way, that he's kind of like a kid who grew up watching Han Solo, but believing Han Solo would look way cooler with Boba Fett's helmet and rocket. <laughs> <laughs> And that's and that's how like he he, uh, he dresses himself like he dresses himself in like a cool cool guy way. He thinks he's the coolest guy in the room at all times. Yeah, I mean, right down to trying to force a nickname. Like <laughs> he's so excited when uh, Korath comes back and calls him Star Lord. Right? He goes yeah. finally. <laughs> Though. About that, because that's like a whole thing that's really funny in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Him trying to force his own nickname. But at the end of the movie, when they revealed that that was the nickname his mom used to call him when he was a little kid. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. while while sweet, like, there's a <laughs> lot of things my mom called me that I would not want the galaxy to refer me to, to me as. So it just, <laughs> there's like this weird, gives well, me a weird vibe. Well, they would know that your mom made it up true they wouldn't know that but <laughs> i don't know it just gave me such a weird vibe when it was like oh the reason he wants to be called star lord is because that's what his mom used to call him was yeah. i don't know because she once had a, a fling with a alien there's <laughs> a random thought that popped into my head about star lord we were talking about his connections to earth and all the stuff he's brought with him and at the beginning of the movie where he's flying away from korath on uh on morag and there's the purple lady in a ship she's wearing what's clearly one of his camp shirts as a kid mm-hmm. and I've, I've always noticed that okay that's, that's a cool connection to his time on earth but now i'm just thinking how big is that shirt or how small is this lady because he would have that's he was what six we were talking about that shirt's got to be tiny. No, man. I listen. Ladies can pull off a <laughs> not even a that size medium. <laughs> that that shirt's got to be tiny. First of all, yeah, skinny women like but but even for like as far as child shirts staying for a long time go, like I I'm not a waif uh, by any <laughs> means. I'm what some people might call medically obese. Um, and I had a t-shirt in the fifth grade. It had a big 1998 on the front that when I got that shirt came down to my knees, like you could fit my sister and I both in it at the same time. Could I get that shirt over my head right now if I needed to? Yes, I could. 
I couldn't because um, I've since like it's been destroyed. But you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's sometimes um, children's but, shirts are just extremely large. Yeah, that was what I was gonna say. Is I was given a lot of shirts, especially from things like equivalents of camp or when you go away for something they're like well we didn't want to ask a bunch of kids what size they were because they won't know so we just ordered a bunch of really big shirts Mm -hmm. you get a double x you get a double x (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing and there was just kids running around with shirts down to their mid thighs (laughs) (laughs) right i remember it would look like you you didn't have shorts on because your t-shirt was so big but you did have shorts on. Don't worry. It's not a bunch of pantsless children running through the woods. This is not that kind of camp. <laughs> no. It's not that kind of camp. Oh. Um, yeah. And honestly, Star-Lord's journey in this movie, when I think about it, is the one that, like, I have the most trouble, like, succinctly summarizing. Because he set out sort of trying to be, like, his own man, trying to be selfish and steal something and then he bounced around prison and some group heists and by the end of the movie like he's just like cool with being a team with this group and they all just leave together but i just never really pegged down what like what his motivation for going through anything is other than maybe just being really into gamora Mm -hmm. which he is Which, justifiable, but, like, (laughs) I just, I'm not 100% sure what drives him from scene to scene, like, because first he wants money, and then they're like, oh, this, Ronan shouldn't have this. And he's like, cool, we should sell this, probably. Um, Like, I don't know. He he just seems like lovable rogue is his whole shtick. Like, he doesn't really have, like, a retirement plan beyond that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they save his character development for later in this yeah. one. <laughs> they give you breadcrumbs, um, but that that's mostly it. All right, we've touched on the Guardians. Um, do we want to talk about... We touched on Ronan earlier. Do we have anything more that we want to say on Ronan? He's got a big hammer. I like a, I like a, I like that he's sticking with the judge theme. <laughs> <clears throat> he is the accuser, <laughs> which is not mm-hmm. really the role of a judge, I guess. <laughs> Mixing metaphors, maybe. It's a. They don't really explain it, but it's a very <laughs> ceremonial Cree role in the comics. Um, if you're given the role of accuser, you're sort of like a judge from Judge Dredd. Your jury and executioner. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so you use the hammer of justice to kill your victims. Very cool. I like I like the theming. <laughs> yeah, it's I believe it's called a Cree universal weapon. It like identifies whether or not you believe you are acting in the benefits of the Cree people and or something. Like it it's a magic hammer. <laughs> they gave it to Carol Danvers for a while in the comics and it was super cool. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah, she had a really dope-ass green outfit while she did it. Um, are there any other characters we want to touch on before we 
Um, Yandu. Oh yeah, Yandu. I love Yandu. So good. <laughs> he, he's developed more in the next movie, but uh, I, I just love the idea that he's angry at Quill and he acts like he's gonna. He's constantly acting like he's gonna kill him, but uh, it, it, he oh, he's always also looking for an excuse to just be like, "All right, that a boy," <laughs> you know. <He's> like, <laughs> right. I think his biggest expectation for Quill is I hope Quill screws me over with just enough skill that I can believably be like, ah, man, he got away from us. (laughs) (laughs) Like. Uh, It's a real, like, frat boy culture on that ship, right? I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're all just kind of partying all the time. (laughs) And, And his collection of, like, little porcelain doohickeys or whatever he He gets the what is it a frog a little ceramic frog from the guy on xandar he really wasn't joking yeah (laughs) what a great turn for the actor too michael michael brooker known for playing like these badass kind of henchmen in 80s movies and being a tough guy and then doing this like really goofy take on a (laughs) Uh, on a character. <laughs> oh, his oh man, what is he when he's got the thing and he's making the noise at the guy he's just like bibbity like <laughs> oh. Just like making fun of everything the guy says or whatever. Also, just creativity. The look of that guy that he's trying to buy sell the orb to. What a weird looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like create every everybody went the extra mile on the on the set deck, on the, the CGI, and the the creativity um, of this world is so silly. Yeah. And the makeup team is, just did a fantastic job, and, and I even Taser. He wasn't named in this movie, but Taser Face in the next one. <laughs> oh God, Taser Face. Taser Face. <laughs> um, there, there's one more character I want to talk about okay. before we move Let's on. Do it. She she's a pretty small role, but I think she's real important, and it's Karina. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that the collector's slave? Yes, the collector's yeah. slave who grabs for the Infinity Stone, whether she's trying to hurt him or kill herself, uh, is not totally clear. But she knows she's done with being enslaved to him. Um, I also, I can't tell if Karina is Zandarian or from somewhere else because the only time we see her is with him. And she also has this sort of little shuffly way of walking that is very different from the way we see Zandarians basically moving around the same way Terrans would. But don't Zandarians look like people? Like Glenn but Close and John C. Riley. Some and, of them look like Glenn Close and John C. Riley, and some of them, like John C. Riley's wife and daughter, are bright pink, like Karina. And even that that guy in the the jewelry shop, he claimed to be Zandarian, and he didn't look like anybody else on the planet. Yeah, there's it's I I get the sense that there's more than one uh, race of people on Zandar, and they all sort of coexist. They're just like us. Yeah, they're. <laughs> So, but yeah, I, I have no idea where Karina is from. Um, and my closest guess is that she's roughly the same 
shade as many Xandarians we've seen, but she doesn't move around in the same way that they do. Mm-hmm. I almost want to say not Xandarian, only because there was that other uh, woman that the Collector had in a cage that claimed it was the, the slave before Karina, but she rebelled and now she's in a cage. And I think they looked exactly the same. And Zendarians look, at least from what we've seen, pretty different amongst each other. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, weird vibe from the collector <laughs> with the whole keeping people in jars, but yeah, yeah. And I think that that's kind of a powerful moment that doesn't like our impression of the collector is not the same if she, if she doesn't, you know make her statement and die or maybe it is i don't know we did notice that he had people in tanks last time (laughs) at the end of thor i'm also really surprised and this is another spoiler when you have a character called the collector and he looks that sinister when the asgardians bring him the reality stone and in this movie they don't tiptoe around the fact that he wants the power stone he wants Groot he has people in jars he's not a good dude and he does not become instrumental at all in the Infinity Saga like I thought for sure you know he was trying to collect them maybe on behalf of Thanos like I thought they were definitely building towards something with this collector side character but aside from the fact that they just come back here to grab the reality stone, they, they never really pay off that he's sinister as hell, but he didn't really ever have like a other motivation. Well, he wants to like just own like everything. He wants to collect everything. Isn't that the end of his game? Yeah, that's his whole thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I just mean, like, he didn't ever really... Well, why doesn't he make more of an effort to collect all of the Infinity Stones, then? Like, he knows they're out there. Mm-hmm. Is he too easily distracted because he's not focused on just the Infinity Stones? He's trying to collect everything? He's got. A, he's, he's too busy co- <laughs> categorizing everything, cataloging all his items. <laughs> Man, I hear the Mind Stone is over on that planet, but I just can't be bothered to go over there because there's a pink girl on this planet. <laughs> and I don't have a pink girl. God, such a creepy dude. It seems like he does a lot of ordering online. Like he doesn't go out to the, he doesn't go to a brick and mortar to pick stuff up. He's he's ordering stuff. People bring him stuff. He's kind of content to operate like a pawn shop for a good portion of this. Oh. Um Yeah, so all right, now that we've passed through characters uh movie stuff i don't have a lot of notes ever on like the cinematography and stuff other than this movie looks and feels good even the stuff the scenes that are just 100 percent pure cg the nova core net fighting the dark aster above xandar like none of that was real but it was fun to watch mm-hmm. that also that was one of the other dumb things that made me cry and I like I was mad as it was happening like I was tearing up and I was mad that I was tearing up because I was just imagining like 
they make a point of John C. Riley later on being like, I have a family, as though that hadn't like occurred to you sooner. That's all I was thinking this whole time. We're seeing all these guys locked together in a net in their tiny ships, and I'm like, that's not gonna hold. And I'm just picturing all of those men dying alone in their pods and like never going home to their families and weeping in the movie theater during an action sequence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and one yeah, they were. I they were winning the. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. You can. You can go ahead. I was just gonna say they were winning the war against Kree with that army. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a very light force that was protecting Xandar. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I also have another detraction. Sorry, I finally found uh, that character of. Um, uh, Karina in the Marvel database and she is a category called Crylorian and it lists her the girl that Peter was hooking up with in the very beginning mm-hmm. Barit and John C. Riley's family all as Crylorians but has no other information on this race of people okay interesting that's, that's maybe Xandar is just a, a welcoming culture for people from wherever. Mm-hmm. It's crazy the amount of world building you can do with <laughs> just makeup, even. And then writing shit on a wiki. <laughs> uh, Alright, the one thing I, I always want to talk about whenever this movie gets brought up is that famous Easter egg. That last remaining Easter egg that James Gunn insists is real, but no one has actually found it after six, seven years. And apparently one person came close, got about half of it right, but he will not divulge who it was, what the information was. I think that's not fair, Mr. James Gunn. At least give us that so we can put this to bed. Has <laughs> it there's... still not come to fruition, whatever still. it was? And apparently there's a dozen and a half Easter eggs in volume two that have yet to be discovered, but everybody's focusing their efforts on the first one before they can move on to the second one. <laughs> it's exhausting. Uh, I haven't bothered looking in a few years, but... <laughs> yeah. I hope one day we can figure it out. I, if one day, ten years down the road, he just comes out and like, yeah, no, I, I, I was lying. I'm going to be so <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> Are they... Are they all like Marvel Comics Easter eggs, or is it just like something in the back is like a reference to like a James Gunn film or something? That's, that's like, the thing we don't know because there are Easter eggs that were discovered that were Marvel Comics Easter eggs, but then there are other Easter eggs like like uh, Nathan Fillion's cameo and Lloyd Kaufman's cameo that are considered Easter eggs as well. I so it I, could I'm, be. I'm not into this Easter egg hunting culture. I think it detracts from the. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> At a certain point, it detracts <laughs> from the narrative, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's something dumb. Like someone. <laughs> it's always something dumb. <laughs> someone on Nowhere is a, has a job at a car wash, which was also something Sean Gunn's character did on Gilmore Girls. Like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Kirk was his character on Gilmore Girls. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, I, th- I think the concept of there being like a bunch of Easter eggs in Guardians of the Galaxy is super cool. Like just littering them with, uh, with stuff was, was really fun when this movie first came out. There was so much stuff in the background, uh, that people were pointing out in all these different articles. Like, oh, that's Adam Warlock's cocoon in the collector's vault. Oh, that's so-and-so. Oh, that's this. And that's all really, and that was really fun. That made like, that made it a fun time to be a nerd, but definitely Mm -hmm. like, the idea of a director tantalizingly sitting there and being like, no one has ever found my most Easter egg of all Easter eggs is like, that's where you lose me. Cause I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> it's also James Gunn knows what he's doing on social media, despite the fact that he's been canceled several times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he knows how to engage with an audience, I think more than other directors who don't really engage at all. Yeah. One thing, it's not really related to the movie, but I just remembered, I think when we last recorded for this, there was a moment that was just in the moment, and it was fantastic, and it might might be my favorite thing we've ever done. I'm pretty sure it was this movie, and we compared it to Full House. Yes! We t- okay, so oh, I remember God. this. I remember the setup for this, <laughs> and I want to get your opinions again. So, Groot uh, dies, as we know, at the end of the movie. And then he comes back, and he's a little baby. And he dies knowing that, like, his offspring will need to be raised by Rocket and or, like, by this group of people, effectively, right? And so we discussed how, like, Rocket is his dad and Quill is his dad. So he's got two dads. And then we were trying to decide, does that make Drax, like, the Uncle Joey of this situation? It, well, okay. Rocket is Danny Tanner. That's Bob Saget. Yes, yeah. and equal yeah. Rocket equally foul mouthed to real life Bob Saget. So. Yes, like so, not Danny Tanner, the the real life actor real life Bob, Bob Saget, Saget, who is saddled with the responsibility of being TV dad to an entire generation of people. <laughs> and then, okay, so is so the big question is is Peter Quill, um, Uncle Jesse. Or Joey. I think uh, he's, he's got to be Uncle Jesse. Just not his nice hair. <laughs> he's yeah, obsessed he's too with suave. being cool. He's yeah. got to be Uncle Jesse. <laughs> that makes Drex. <laughs> that makes Drex Uncle, Uncle Jesse. It also, if if he's Uncle Jesse, then that sets Gamora up to be Aunt Becky. Correct. But if Gamora is Aunt Becky, how can we make Nebula Kimmy? That's true. Yeah. Well, they're adoptive. You got to get a little bit flexible <laughs> with it. I look, Gamora and Aunt Becky have now both been to jail. So, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I did enjoy our our full house. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Peter Quill would be happy. I think well, he left. Think, when did he Full House come out? If he, if he would be stoked if he was compared to John Stamos. Yeah, he would love that. But what I'm trying to remember what year Full House debuted. If he would have had the chance to see it before he was 1987. Taken. He saw the first season. First season of Full House. <laughs> I, I, I am oh, and he would still this. think. <laughs> He would still think Uncle Jesse is super cool then, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it would also make sense why he doesn't think uh, Wanda looks familiar. Because the uh, Olsen twins would have still been babies. <laughs> Elizabeth wasn't even born yet. 
<laughs> and I am all for this as long as we make Thanos Urkel. For that one crossover episode. Oh, what? Oh, I'm just imagining oh, the snap being followed by Did I do that? <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> what have I done? We've gone too far. We, we've gone too far. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, anything before we close up our review of Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, no, I'm good with that extremely important yeah. note. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess it's time to round out the show with our usual. It's uh, what's our favorite scene and score the movie on our scale of one to ten. Who wants to go first? Mm. Scoring, honestly, it it remains one of my favorite MCU movies for just how fun it is and how different it is from the rest of the pack. And as Kevin said, it's it's not an origin story which you get in ninety percent of the MCU, and it's it's just you thrown right into the action. Uh, I honestly, I'll I'll give this a nine point two five, maybe a, a nine. It's it's hard to compare it to the rest, so I'll definitely score it high. I love this movie. I've seen it so many times. Uh, favorite scene is it's hard to pick. Even last time I was having trouble picking, I just kind of threw one out because I have so many. But I, mm. well, maybe any scene with Groot really, it's just, <laughs> just fantastic. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. I think uh, I really want to give this a high rating, but it's not perfect. But God, it's a lot of fun. But uh, I'm gonna go eight point. Uh, five, just to give it a little bit more room, because I, I'm, I'm not even sure if this is the best Guardians of the Galaxy movie. <laughs> just thinking of, and I'm rating these like, not against like Lawrence of Arabia or Citizen Kane. I'm rating these as MCU movies. So. <laughs> as it goes, it's a great movie. Um, and favorite scene is, um, you know, we don't get a lot of. A fighter combat action in movies anymore and when it's done it's not usually done well so the whole end scene in Xandar where um, there's the Ravager ships fighting the 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 Cronin's or Ronin's weird ships um, uh, the aerial combat scene with that Rocket is apparently the wing commander of um, <laughs> and he's coordinating with the Xandarian uh, ships that have their own weird look to them, and they also link up to form a giant net. I'm just uh, like I keep saying, like with the creativity, like I, of all the things you can do with a bunch of ships, I didn't see that coming, uh, forming a giant net to hold a giant ship in the air, um, and then rocket shooting, uh, turning the airplane up and shooting up like it's space invaders. Uh, all that's really cool, and then that that one Novacore guy has a final, his last words are. <laughs> he entrusts the safety of his entire planet to a raccoon in a fighter plane uh just really cool <laughs> that's my favorite mm-hmm. scene. <laughs> yeah um i'm giving this a solid nine i thought it was great it's a lot of fun like i said i've watched it um twice pretty recently and it's just you have a good time watching it there's 
emotion, there's good storytelling, there's a lot of good jokes. Um, I do, I'm going to say something is my favorite scene, and I don't want it to be my favorite scene, but I think it is because it's the one I keep coming back to. Um, and that's very early on when we've got the chase between Quill and Gamora and Rocket and Groot on Xandar. Um, Gamora and Quill have a really good hand-to-hand combat sequence while they're both lying down on the ground. Um, Groot puts the wrong person in a bag. They're all electrocuting <laughs> each other and jumping off bridges. It's it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool cool vibe, and I really like that scene. Um, I've been sitting here racking my brain trying to figure out what I said my favorite scene was the first time we recorded. Um and it's not coming to me. So uh, for my score, I give this movie uh, a, a nine, uh, roughly around there. Um, it does really well across pretty much every metric that I have on my score sheet. Um, so it's hard to deny just how fun it is just on an instrumental level. Um, and it's probably the only movie in all of Phase 2 that actually... Um, feels like it's continuing what was set up at the end of Avengers with Thanos and you know we ended a story about the cosmic cube and then everything all the Avengers just kind of went separate ways for their own stories and this one really feels like it's pushing that narrative actually forward yeah it's a very uh, canonical like. movie mm-hmm. to the MCU as a whole mm-hmm. um, which I quite enjoy uh, for my favorite scene I'm going to give it to the uh, the police lineup scene <laughs> where, where they're talking about each of them because i do love a meet the party vibe uh just like this is who we got what a bunch of a-holes <laughs> a, a like literal lineup of the of the starring cast <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's it's so fun creative. i like it uh and now for awards uh For my first award, I'm going to give the Monster Kill Award to Yondu uh, for killing that huge team of Ronan's goons with his magic dart arrow thing. Mm -hmm. Just kills like 15 dudes in one second. Like, and out and out kills them. Like, yes, when their spaceship's exploding, we know those people are dying. But there's not a lot of on-screen just straight-up killing a dude in Marvel movies. And Yondu just drops a bunch of guys with headshots. I was going to give that a breath control award because he does it all with one long whistle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I was thinking about awards, and I have an award I always give out on uh, other podcasts, which is Lost the Battle but Won the Wardrobe award uh and i think i have to give it to yondu too because his his look is really stellar um with the the very subtle mohawk that they put on him i know it's comic book he's supposed to have this big honking mohawk that you see in the second movie but i i like the subtleness of it the way it glows red when he whistles and uses the arrow Um, and also quill models his look off of Yondu too with the leather trench coat and kind of all the gear and everything but where Quill makes it look cool like on purpose Yondu looks like he lives in this outfit (laughs) and he just looks he just naturally looks cool 
Mm-hmm. And my award is going to be the complete opposite of that. <laughs> and, uh, the Stupid Sexy Flanders Award uh, goes to Groot for wearing nothing at all and still looking badass. <laughs> And he does show later that he can grow, he can like mo- change his look like yes. by growing spikes before battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, or and he's, gro- he still looks he's got to pick off that one piece that's just out of line, and it looks so good. It's like shaving, I guess. Like he, he he could walk <laughs> around like with a bunch of green leaves hanging off of him, I guess, if he wanted to. <laughs> then he'd really be Chewbacca. He really goes for a particular look. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thank you to our wonderful panel of judges today. As always, if you're interested in uh, learning more about Not A Robot's shows or our network, go to notarobotpodcast.com. We've got a lot of great shows over there, as well as access to our Patreon, where you can learn more about that. Uh, With that said, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Kevin. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, I have too many... <laughs> too many tabs! Full, I got full house tabs open. I got... <laughs> I'm really screwed. We are Groot, is that what it says? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And don't be a robot. <laughs> I didn't know. Best episode ever. <laughs> <laughs>